This is Pratik Mishra with books and nostalgia. Let's go. We have reviewed books from ever since that we started. Uh, it's been around one month since we started this podcast, and uh, we have recorded around eleven episodes. Uh, we have covered five to six books, and I decided that it was time that I start doing guest interviews. So I invited Robert E. Starnes to do this podcast with me. He will be here shortly. So. It's Atlanta. They're closing Atlanta bars is up at 11 o'clock now. So everything's gone from we were getting there, mm. we were handling it. Let's go ahead and open the entire country again. And now we've got the death tolls in many states that are way more per day than they ever have been. That is a serious problem because even in India, uh, in the starting, they closed this uh, country for a lot of time. But uh, recently they have reopened it and the cases have jumped a little bit. Too high, Well, they're gonna go much, much higher. Um, I can't keep up with them here. I mean, I quit looking at the stats because so many stats that don't tell the truth or anything. Because I've had COVID nineteen twice already. But yeah, and they wouldn't do any tests on me because the first one we didn't really know about it per se in February, um, and they didn't have equipment anyway. Now when I got it in March, they had the equipment, but the entire state of Georgia was limited to only um, testing or sending tests 100 per day for the entire state. For the entire state? And they had to save the entire state every day. And how many people approximate are there in the state? A million or more. And so they were only allowed to do that. And then they, they said they had to save those kits for the people like women or pregnant women or anyone that came in the hospital from, let's say, um, an accident or something and they couldn't speak. They would have to use the test on them before they could even operate on them or touch them or mess with them. So they had to use it for the people that couldn't speak. So there weren't that 100 like by 8 o'clock in the morning. Ooh. Yeah. They sent me out. But I got tested this last two times because I was in the hospital. I just got to the hospital 11 days ago. I was in ICU for 12 days off and on in, yeah, this month. So let us start with this interview. We are we have done a lot of book reviews, but today we are going to do a little bit of guest interview with you. And uh, what we actually want to start with is uh, how you wrote these books and uh, what type of books you wrote. And I read somewhere that you have written these books for special children. And uh, uh, what motivated you in some sense for to do that? So uh, should we go ahead? Yeah, we sure can. Okay. Sir, I'd like to start up by asking you about that incident in uh, your college. You studied in Paris Junior College and uh, you have written about this student where uh, an English teacher uh, tells, screams at you or tells you something and that is the reason that you left college. Yeah, the reason I left college is because I graduated, um, I graduated high school a year early because Back then, I was just known as a hyperactive child or all this because back then, they didn't know what ADHD was. They didn't know what um, ASD was or Asperger's, autism spectrum disorder. They didn't know any of that. So I was a hyperactive kid, but I got all my work done, but I got it done fairly fast. And so I just mess around in class and aggravate everybody kind, I guess you could say. So I had enough credits and everything that they went ahead and let me graduate. Um, with my credits a year early. So I went to college at 16, no, 15. I, grad- I got my 16th birthday while I was in college. Mm. So at, after two and a half semesters, my second semester or half semester, um, I had an English teacher because I couldn't read. I had a hard time reading. That was one thing that was my problem because at the time I have dyslexia and I had Asperger's and it was just very hard. Didn't know any of it. So... He ended up, and I was the youngest one in the class. So we had to read something and talk about something. And I was trying to read, and he goes, what are you, some illiterate hibbly? And he called me an F word in front of the entire class. So I got up, grabbed my stuff, walked out. And then when I walked out of class, I never went back. And then he tried to call me to come back to class after he was failing me on all my And I had my English teacher from high school. Um, who actually was a college professor. And so she would look at my paperwork and she goes, why did he count? That's not wrong. That's not wrong. That's not wrong. So he was telling me on purpose. And so 
I told myself, I'm not going back. You're already telling me I can't go back. I'm, you're telling me on purpose. I know this because I found it from another professor, another English professor. And come to find out he was begging me to come back because if I, if I went back, he got to keep his job. If I didn't go back, he lost his job. I felt that it was more important to me and anybody else he taught for him not to teach. So I said, I'm not going back to school because I'm not going to let you keep teaching people or talking to them that way, especially at an age that I'm at because mm-hmm. it, it was disrespectful and I would rather you not be in the education industry. So I would rather not go to school uh, just to benefit you. So uh, what happened to the oh, no. later on? Uh, did he get fired or something? Um, yeah. Yeah, he got fired immediately. Uh, it's better that sometimes the administration or the management steps up and do their job in selecting better teachers. Yeah, and I, I just felt like it was something I needed to do personally. You know, I was still young at the time, but it just felt like something is like, I'm not going to put somebody else through that. I mean, there could be other smarter kids and that are young and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and this was, this was English too, in college level English too, you know, at 16. And he's doing all that to me. And I'm like, I'm not going to have it. So I'm not going to let anybody else have it because I've been bullied all my life. So I'm not going to let him do it either to me or anybody else. So I took a stand. Well, that's to me it was, Really interesting. Yeah. And after you uh, left college, uh, you started doing customer service jobs, right? Yes. Uh, after I left college, I mean, I I did numerous jobs again because I was like hyperactive. I'd get bored or whatever. Um, but one of the longest jobs that I actually had was I worked at Walmart for three years, and it kept me going because I was always going. I had to run here, run there, run there, run there. So to me, it was just like, okay, that's perfect. I guess it is. There are a lot of people. Not a problem. With my personality, prayer. Um, but I also worked with Hilton Reservations Worldwide, and that was fun. South Fork Ranch, where the uh, original version of Dallas was filmed. I worked out there when I was just little with my mom. Um, but then I got into the apartment industry. Um, I've been in the multifamily housing industry now for 21 years. Okay. Um, I wrote a, and, and I love this industry because I, I see people, meet them, because I have social phobia, too, that goes with my Asperger's mm-hmm. and social anxiety. But when I'm at work, they don't bother me because I know I'm seeing the people for a couple, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and then they're gone. I might talk to them later, but then I see somebody else, then it's okay. So, but other times it's like I, I freeze up, and I just don't know what to say. If I'm having to talk to somebody for a really long time about the same thing or something I'm not interested in, I'm just like... <laughs> So uh, uh, you you write about it uh, in 2017 that uh, when you were diagnosed with ASD, you felt a little bit better. So can you? Why well, was better for me to find out? Because you say that you it is also a high point in your life that you realize finally that uh, you can do something uh, better. The reason I say that, yeah, because actually I wrote my yeah my first book was 2017. It was a book for the industry. It was the multifamily housing guide, leasing 101. And I went through a um, self-publishing company that was a ripoff. I mean, they're a major company and somehow still get, you know, royalties from them. I don't even know how I retired the book, but they sent me money, so I'll take it. But when I was finally diagnosed with um, ASC um, Asperger's, everything changed in my life because it explained a lot of things in my life. It explained why I did that. And it made me realize, made me feel that there wasn't nothing wrong with me. And I wasn't doing these things out of maliciousness or just callousness just anything and it just wasn't random it was because i didn't have the medication or i didn't have the, the need that i needed for because i've got multiple they give me my asperger's i've got multiple multiple things to go with them like bipolar disorder ptsd just from you know fourth grade to 12th grade ocd social anxiety social um social phobia and then i ended up with agoraphobia so with all of those i'm being treated for everything now instead of just like one or two things like my adhd so that never really helped me, but now I'm being treated for everything. And it became a blessing to me because my brain was able to slow down. And then when I had agoraphobia, that's when I started writing my other books oh. um, because I was stuck in the house, had nothing to do, and I wasn't going out anywhere or doing anything. So my therapist told me to write in a journal. And so I, I didn't know anything about writing. I could barely read still, <laughs> you know. So I Googled how to write a short story. And so it said, as long as it's under 7,500 words and this is the format you use, that's your short story. Pick something, separate the scenes, you know, 
So I wrote a short story. I sent it to my old boss um, here in Atlanta because I was in Houston at the time. And she read it, and at the end it said, the end. And she goes, oh, no, this is not the end. I want more. <laughs> I'm like, more? That's 7,500 words for somebody that can't read and hardly write or anything. She goes, no, I want more. This is good. So book one is actually the 7,500-word short story. I had to do so much rewriting on it to get it up to a little over 40,000 words just to make oh. it a young adult. I have no storyboard. I have no plot board. I have nothing. I write what comes to my mind at the time that I'm sitting down to write. And I used to do um, a chapter. I, I'd write a chapter per day, and then I'd type it the next day. Write it, type it, write it, type it. I didn't know what was going to happen because it's not creative if you've got a plot. To me, there is some creativeness out there. I don't really think that far ahead. I just literally sit and say, okay, what's going to happen today? That's what I write. That's how it goes. Um, but also with my style of writing that I've done, uh, I've written it uh, in a way for people like me to be able to understand it easier um, with the uh, dyslexia mm-hmm. or um, the way mine works, if I'm reading a book and it's and it's a good big book and, and a really good book, but if I read like five, chap- five chapters, five chapters, and a sixth chapter, my brain gets so confused because like I've already read all this. So it makes me think that I've read the book. It closes it. So I never get to finish it. And so I was like, okay, this, I, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> so I decided to write mine in a style that does not repeat anything. Mine starts from chapter one, page one. It goes all the way right now through chapter four, four um, and straight story. It's just broken up in four books. And I, print, I had them all uh, published, written, typed, and published within 14 months. So I didn't want people to have to wait for them. I wanted to continue on with the story because... Most authors wait like a year to put out the next one mm-hmm. or two years to put out the better with anticipation. Mine wasn't about anticipation. Mine was about helping other people because the dyslex- dyslexia part is also part of it just being one solid. Mm. The way it's written, it's written. It's not too simple. It's got words in it, you know, good words, and, but it helps them. Um, I've, know, I've met several people that have read them and now are they've gotten the most help they can from the dyslexia classes they were in, like my cousin's um, son. He went from a second grade dyslexia class, um, and then that summer he read book one because he's in book three and four and mm-hmm. the rest of them. I used, I, I used all my family in them. Easy names to remember. So he read book one, and then he went to third grade, and he went to his third grade dyslexia class where they kicked him out of it and said, you don't belong in here. And he said, why? And they said, because you're reading at a sixth grade level. And it's all because he only read one book, and that was mine. And I wrote it plain and simple, like for somebody that can read, somebody that can read well and does very well educationally or something like that, they can read it like even my beta readers. I mean, they'll read it within like hours, you know, and leave me great comments. But if I talk to somebody that's got dyslexia or something, it could take them a week to read it, which is still an accomplishment because before it would take them maybe months to read other books. So they feel better. It makes them feel better about themselves. And again, that's really all it is. I mean, I've got my my um, royalties or commission or whatever you want to call it. I've got them set so low because I want the book set so low to be sold so low. So people would buy them. I could care less about money. Mine's about helping. So it's like I have a job. <laughs> but I love, the, I love what I do. No, that is actually really nice. I uh, read it on your website where you have written that uh, the feeling of reading a novel is uh, uh, truly in- enriching and everybody should have uh, uh, some experience about that. And I have a college one uh, group where uh, these special children from Pilani, we study in Pilani. So these special children from Pilani, they come and we volunteer as teachers and uh, we read them special things like from English ABCDs and something like that. Some part awesome. of... So, I might have to send you some. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you have written about this uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline on your website. So, are you associated I, with this uh, organization? I'm not necessarily associated with them, but the dedication, the, the dedication to book one goes to my nephew um, because he, when he was born, nobody knew anything. But when he got older, we could tell there was something different with him. Not saying it was bad, but um, finally, I talked my little brother into getting him diagnosed for autism, 
and he was diagnosed with nonverbal autism, so he didn't speak. But by the age of two, he was able to type the alphabet on a keyboard, colors on the keyboard, still didn't speak. By the age of three, he could speak three languages just by typing them out or handwriting them out, actually. He was, he was writing out Russian, um, Mandarin, and English. And these are pretty difficult languages, Russian and Mandarin. Yeah, and he learned those languages just from playing his video games because he'd beat them because he's very smart. He'd beat them and wait for the credits to come up because whatever country they were created in, nine times out of ten, the credits were up in their language as well as the English, but it also go further and he'll have it in their language too. So he would sit there and watch those, and that's how he learned their language. Now he's up to four languages, and he's only eight. You still don't talk. He, he, now he's at low verbal, so he'll say stuff like, I love you, um, or try to hug you and stuff. So it's amazing seeing what he could do. So that was my first dedication to him. The second one goes to um, bully victims and uh, anything like that, anything to do with bullying, because I'm, I was, I was, I'm trying to raise, I want to raise more awareness to teen suicide and teen bullying. I had a totally different dedication set up for book two. And right before I published it, I heard about a little girl in the fourth grade in Alabama who, who hung herself because of being bullied at school. And she told everybody, no one believed her. And that happened. I wrote a dedication and dedicated it to her for me to know the pain that she went through to actually do that. I had a connection with the girl that I didn't even know because when I was in the fourth grade, I was bullied. So I knew the, knew the fears and everything that she felt. And I also knew the fears that she felt when she would tell people no one would listen or believe her. Um, and so that hit me hard. So I ripped out my dedication, wrote a whole new one, and it was dedicated to trying to raise awareness of teen bullying, teen suicide, bring the numbers down. Everyone has to be involved. Teachers, parents, everybody. Stop ignoring what people say. These are kids and they're not all exaggerating. They have problems at school. If you've never been bullied, and you don't know. And a major part of everything you know, is that you... people are not believing these stories. They think that the children just make up. Yeah, they think they're, they think they're just making it up to get attention and stuff. Mm-hmm. And literally, they're not. I mean, they're literally trying to tell us. So I put my books and my uh, dedications, and it's basically like, if you tell somebody and they listen, tell somebody else. If they listen, tell somebody else. Then tell somebody else, you keep telling your story until something's done about it. Not just because somebody's listening, but until something's done. Then you know your story has been heard. But don't, you know, uh, suicide to me is never an option. And I even put on there too, email me, call me. I don't care. If you feel like you have no one to talk to, I've been there. Call me. I don't care. I'll talk you through whatever you're going through because nine times out of ten, I can, I can name what you're going through. I've been there. So, and I also have... Um, there's other unique features about my book is that I have um, three suicide victims that are actually characters in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, I call them forever. I call them forever characters. And the reason I do that is because I've gotten permission from the families, but I, it was right before the second book came out. And I, I knew that I knew this young lady and I hadn't seen her a little bit at the place that we used to go to to play pool and stuff. And so finally I saw her and the bartender told me, she told me, did you hear about what happened? I was like, no. So she told me so that her son had, she found her son had committed suicide at home like two weeks ago. He was in high school. He was bullied and that happened. So I started my dedication to book two before it even came out and she just started crying. So me and her went and sat on the patio and we talked for a little bit. I was like, can I use him in my book? But not just a character name. I want to use him in my book. I need you, if you don't mind, describe him to me, how his manners were, how he acted, how he was, and he will be the character in the book, not his name. So she loved it. And after the book came out, and of course, I gave her a copy when it came, before it ever came out, she, her life turned around completely. She actually goes up to his school and she will actually, he's not there nor, but she'll stay in those halls. And if she sees somebody trying to bully somebody else, she goes up there and gets in their face. The teachers won't do it. The school don't. She does because she's like, this ain't happening. Now she's got like 12 parents in their group that they started that do it at many schools just to help out and to try to stop it from having to any other, any other parent or anything, having to find something like something like that happened. I figured it was, it was, to me, it was a great idea to put, to ask to put them in there 
the same thing with the others. I mean, they were all blessed to have them in there because to me, it's like if you ever start to forget them or you miss them, pick up the book and read it. And because you're going to see the physical description, their their demeanor, everything about them, it's them. It's not just the name of a character that I made up. This is your loved one that's in there. And so that's one of my favorite parts about my books and stuff is that it does carry on legacies for families that don't have the people there no more that they love, but they can always just read it and, you know, maybe laugh and think of something that they did before. Um, and it helps. It really does help the grieving process as well for them. So that was one of my big things. And I, when I changed to having forever characters, if I hear somebody talking and they say that their brother committed suicide or somebody else committed suicide, you know, the family, I always ask them because that way my, the worst word I hate in the world is victim, suicide victim. So it drives me crazy because to me, it's murder. If you're being bullied and somebody's forced to do that, they're mm -hmm. simply being murdered by the bully. They're just taking the action themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. So my thing is, is that I want, I'd rather them be called, you know, forever characters because they were characters and real life from what I've heard from the three that I have, they were characters. Everybody loved them. They were laughing, funny, whatever, but their bullies were just out bullied them. And it just irritated me. And that's just like one of my nerves that just get to me. It's like, that's my platform. And it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I can to help. Say, if I can save one child from committing suicide, that is something, you know, at least. Because I survived. I survived everything they did. And I want to let them know that I have. That's why, that's why my website is basically like an open book. I want them to go to the website. You don't have to buy the book. Go to the website. All my dedications are on the website. You don't have to buy the book read what I wrote and see what I've been through. And then I didn't get diagnosed with ASD um, or um, dyslexia until 2000, well, three years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I've lived with it all my life and never knew anything about it. And so I didn't even start writing until three years ago. <laughs> and then I started my own publishing company. Oh. And the reason I did that, and the reason I did that was, I believe every story has a following. But when you got these big, larger, random publishing houses and stuff, they look at, you know, manuscripts that, oh, this is not what we're looking for. This is not what we're looking for. In other words, they're saying, this ain't going to make me money. This ain't going to make me money. This ain't going to make me money. I look at it as, and I'm doing, I do pro bono work on many, many of the books. And I give out all kinds of free information on how to uh, format your book, uh, what size you want to use, and even different places to go to if you want to go on your own. You don't have to go through me but i email free information all the time what fonts to use how to use the chapters to headings all this stuff because i want them to make the best but i don't want them to give up on their story and everyone uh, likes a guidance basically if you have a starting point to uh, get your book out or you have somebody to tell you what to do and what not to do that is actually very big help yeah and like i said i don't like i've got a client right now and his thing is i, I made him a cover for him based on this the story they wrote. So I made up a cover and I sent him, it's just a mock-up, so I sent it to him. He goes, I like it, but I want to put the characters on it, you know, the main characters on it. And I politely told him, it's his book. I said, this your baby, but if you put two people on the cover of a book and it's not going to be a movie, you're running the imagination for everybody else to going to read the book. Then I can be able to imagine the people that are the main characters that they see in their head because they're looking at the people on the front of the book. Mm -hmm. They need to see the story in different points of view. He agreed because you're right. So then he wanted his spaceship. To, it's sci-fi. This could be a great book though. It'll be a number one. It, it's a sci-fi, but he wanted the spaceship round. I said, that's alien. <laughs> I said, dude, I know you wrote this 20 years ago and we're just, you're just now getting it out there to publish because my mom. And I said, I said, when you think round ships, you think alien, you know, from outer space, they got the, always got a round saucer. I said, but when you think of humans, we've got rockets that have windows, like airplanes, air, pretty much all the same. I said, so I changed your ship to look like that on the cover. You can change it back. You want a round one? I'll put a round one. I said, but I've never heard of a round ship really in the United States or in the world for us to use because then they get a good the alien ship. So when he saw the cover, he goes, oh, yeah, I like that better. I'll just go back and change the way the ship looks in chapter two. <laughs> I'm like, again, I'm giving you ideas. Hence, 
I will do anything you ask me to do. I'm a publisher. You're, it's your baby. It's your creation. I'm going to do what you want to do. Whatever time frame you want, I'm on. I'm not, I'm, I'm the opposite of the normal publishing companies or random houses. I'm not saying it's not going to make me money. I'm saying I want to make you money. You do whatever you want. And I'm going to help you as much as I can for free sometimes. So, uh, I just wanted to ask you a question about bullying. So I have found certain things even in India and somewhere around, everywhere around the world. So being a boy, we are always associated with certain stereotypical characteristics. They can be strength, mental characteristics, toicity. How are these traits uh, affecting how much people believe boys and how they differ from these girls you say? Because, uh, well, because these, I can tell you that the, the, the people that are being bullied, um, at, even at a young age and even at adults, adults are being bullied all the time at work, you know, around their neighborhood. And a lot of it could be because of mental issues that they have that they don't even know about, of course. Um, but it does affect the person. They're, the bullies do affect the people they bully for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Even when it stops, it doesn't stop for them that, that they bully because with certain types of mental conditions like me and my ASC, if somebody was to talk about this, if my grandmother was talking about a certain date, you know, where I'm home with her and she talked about something that happened, you know, when we were a little less than one or I was a little less than one. Mm-hmm. She talked about something that was going on and she mentioned something. I said, I remember that. And she goes, there's no way you can remember that. And then I'd say, well, you got us up, you got us dressed, you put on an ugly duck outfit and then you put on those ugly shoes. We went outside, we got in the pool, it had a hole in it, you grabbed some mud, stuck it in the hole, a little plastic pool. And then all of this, I was like, and then, you know, after that, we went to uh, Dairy Queen. We got ice cream. I threw a fit. I threw mine in the floor. And she goes, how do you know all of this? I said, I don't know. It's all there. I said, but I can't just pick a date and know everything that happened. I have to hear a story that involves me that I can remember everything. I said, but the sad part is about that is I remember the feelings I had. And it's not that I remember them. I feel them all over again. So if somebody talks about a date that I was bullied or beat up or something like that, I felt every single thing that happened to me that day all over again. That in the PC grade, just both grade, because it's all on the same campus and the same kids. So it is a major psychological abuse to people, you know, bullying younger or even older or anyone because it will stick with you forever and they will be seeing a psychiatrist and they could turn into shooters or, you know, they could turn into millionaires, you know, or turn the life around. But I, I'm trying to help turn the life around and let them know you're not alone. And, uh, <laughs> and that's the purpose. And that is uh, one way why I wanted to talk to you about this, because uh, when someone is being bullied uh, and someone else is not believing them, you are basically pushing them away and they shrink into this kind of a shell and they never come out. So, uh, I read about this uh, behavioral therapy, something they do. So what is exactly this behavioral therapy? Uh, are you talking about for the bully or the bullied? The bullied. The bullied. Like I said, if somebody's being bullied um, and they're trying to push people away and they're continuing on and then they do get in a shell, they'll go in, pretty much they'll go into depression. They'll stop talking to people. They'll start excluding themselves from people and they'll always want to be alone. Um, which is not normally the norm for them. That's why I say it always goes back to, if you're being bullied in any way, shape or form, and it's starting to change you, those are the people that I'm trying to help because I probably about seven out of 10 of them are thinking suicide because that's the only way they're going to get out of their shell. My goal is to have them just start talking about it. Talk about it in front of them. Talk mm-hmm. about it in front of a teacher in front of them. And keep, 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 never stop talking about it. Once you stop talking about it, you're pretending like it don't exist. And so are they, and they're going to keep doing it. If you continue talking about it until someone does something to stop it from happening, then you know you've done something. It doesn't matter who you tell. Tell a friend, tell a cousin, tell a doctor, tell a policeman. Uh, I mean, there's so many people you can tell. Mm-hmm. Somebody will eventually do something. And you also know, too, you're not in a shell. You're out in the world. You're telling everything. You know, somebody calls you a liar, say it again to their face. You know, that they, this is what's happening. Don't back away. Don't shy down. You don't have to hit somebody to hurt someone. And that's the same thing with bullying, too. So you can get them in trouble. You can get them to stop. And eventually they will. But don't give up. If you give up, 
you're just giving up on yourself and not just yourself, you're giving up on your family because they do love you. They just might think you're a little exaggerated, but then again, you might have ADHD. You might have something else, you know, in the mental state, but they don't know it yet. And so they could cause you to cry wolf, I guess you could say so many times, like I did, um, just because I didn't know what I had and had the medication to take care of me and to keep me calmer and make me more lucid and doing all this stuff. But I mean, I'm so focused now on like 20,000 different things. I can actually finish them in a day before I couldn't focus on three things and get them done in a day. They were all half done. Cause then I was outside just running around and that's at work. <laughs> so that is actually really nice. So I heard in an interview somewhere that too, this, uh, the, there are these phrases that are really popular. They are like, get your shit together, keep your chin up and uh, never back down from a fight. These are easier said than done. So what do you think about these phrases? Are they actually helpful in real life? No, uh, never back down from a fight is total BS. Um, that is confrontational. That also is more violent than anything. And all that does is if they lose a fight, it makes them weaker to other people. You know, even though they stood their ground, they didn't win. Mm. So all it does is make it worse. And I'm going to tell you a comment that I made on Facebook. This is, you know, years, a few years after it came out. I made a post on Facebook because I knew everybody was on it from my school. So, and they were all married and had kids and everything like that. So my one comment on Facebook was this. I just hope that everyone that bullied me, that their kids never have to go through what their parents put me through. Mm -hmm. That's it. Next thing, you know, I was flooded with apologies, left, right, and all this. I said, look, I, I got your apology. Thank you. I appreciate it. If it makes you feel better as a person, then that's fine. I'm just wishing your children the best of luck because y'all are horrible. I'm going to say right now, we can be friends. I can thank you and like a post or something, but saying you're sorry to someone after you, you, y'all given them PTSD from going to school and anxiety also with the social anxiety and things. I said, it's hard to say sorry to that. I've got, I've got lifelong mental conditions now because of what y'all have done to me, all of you. But if it makes you feel better saying you're sorry, I'll accept it but I'm never going to forget it because I can't. But if it makes you feel better and you watch your kids and make sure they're not bullying somebody because it really does go down the tree. Mm -hmm. The bully's father, son, then their child, it all falls down the tree because maybe it, people don't even realize it too. They're bullying, so it's having a troubled life. But then I look at the bully side of it too. A lot of times people don't know what the bully is going through. They don't know if his parents are beating him or if he's being locked in a closet. And I put that in a couple of places in the book too. If something like that's going on with the people they're bullying, go talk about it. You need to talk to somebody. Keep telling that story. You need to get, find a way to get out of that cycle and break that cycle. Because no one knows what you're going through either, just like you don't know what the people you're bullying are going through. So it really is a double-edged sword, but you're just finding weaker people to take it out on because the person taking it out on you is bigger than you. So you've got to find out what your trigger is and you need to work it out because I'm not saying all bullies are bad people. I'm just saying there's issues, underlying issues with them to cause them to want to do that because it makes them feel better because they feel so low somewhere else in their household or wherever they are or where they go. or something. They feel like the loser and they want to make somebody else feel that way. And they need to be, they need to find it and they need to talk about it and deal with it and learn from it and learn how to be the other person and they can I know they can they can all be helped and that will help with everything in school it helped grades go up school testing would go up I mean it's just such a major part getting your feelings out basically helps every time because yeah everything yeah. in just makes you feel like uh, you're lying to yourself and to people so that's not worth it yeah I mean I used to keep stuff in all the time I'd never say anything um, I'd just keep it in until all of a sudden one day, it was just somebody would say something, and then I would do, I don't know if you can see the burns on my arms right there, mm -hmm. the scars. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people that are what they call cutters, um, people that burn, people that do things, you know, to hurt themselves. That was mine. It was a cigarette lighter. I get it hot and just burn myself. And that's, it, it 
to me, it felt like letting the air out of a balloon slowly. So if I had all that anger built up, instead of me trying to take it out on somebody else, because I knew I'd lose, I didn't want the, so I just burned myself and then slowly I could feel the anger going out. I mean, I, it wouldn't hurt me. I couldn't even feel it because I was so angry, but I could feel the anger sliding out of my body, making me feel better, more comfortable. And it was just like, but that's because it also didn't have medication to control any of that. And I hear a lot of people talk about medication. Well, I don't want to medicate my kids. He's got ADHD or he's got this or got that. I mean, that's fine if you don't want to medicate. But I'm going to tell you, if I had the medication that I have now and I've accomplished what I've accomplished in only three years on medication, I would love to see what I could have been and how I would have applied myself if they had it when I was in school. Because I, maybe I could have been better. Maybe I would have stayed in college, you know, and because I would have been able to read better. And I wouldn't have been made fun of, but I don't have no regrets. I don't look back. I am always moving forward and I want any child or anybody else that's feels like they can't. Yes, you can. I did. You will. You'll be a success. Just think of that. You don't have to know what your success is. I would have never thought I'd be a writer and a publisher, you know, 10 years ago or even in school considering I had a sixth grade reading level in my 11th 12th grade um and just it was english was horrible because i grew up in texas so i always tell everybody well texas is my native language and then english is my second language because we speak totally different in texas <laughs> and so it's just one of those things is like i never would have suspected it but then when my brain cleared up and i wrote the short story and one thing led to another and now now it's my it's really a hobby passion of mine but i put about 40 hours a week into my books and everything and then with my work because I work a full-time job but when I'm, I do that you know work here at the apartment but when I do that this is work work when I do that and it's my passion it doesn't feel like work I mean it's just something I enjoy just sitting down doing and whatever pops in my head it's like oh that sounds good <laughs> you know or talking to the person next to me and I like to go to places that are crowded even though I have social phobia and social anxiety I can't write by myself in a room by myself it ain't happening. I literally have to go somewhere it's crowded. And you you said that uh, you enjoy listening to two artists. I don't remember the names actually. Uh, Kelly Clarkson uh, and Steve Grant. I love Kelly Clarkson ever since American Idol. And I think she's done such amazing things. And there's so many of her, of her albums and songs that connect to people. Um, not just me, but like me, but you know, with her, her song Piece by Piece. Um, about her dad. I mean, there's so many people have been in single family homes, touch me, her song did. And there's so many others about love songs that she sings in her sober song. And even when she went around to do My December, I mean, she's got songs that touch, but her voice makes it touch even harder or closer to you. Um, that's why I enjoy her so much. And then Steve Graham, he's a little bit newer in the singing world, but he's not too popularly known except for in really one community and that's the LGBTQ um, because he is a gay country singer. Okay. But his songs, he's an amazing singer, voice is amazing, but he just doesn't sing about a man and a woman. He sings about a man and a man, but still in love and doing stuff. But he didn't get played on the mainstream because he's playing about a man and a man. But I can name about four or five different gay, uh, gay singers that can sing about a man or a woman opposite they're all over the air because they're not because they're following their producers mainstream or their whoever's this is what you're going to sing. You know, he didn't do that. He didn't sell out. He got his mark on uh, YouTube mm. singing what he wanted and became a huge following. And his music is the same thing as a, as a LGBT person. It's like he's singing things that we never could talk about and he's singing it on the radio. And being well, true to yourself and doing something that you love is better than faking it out. Uh, because then people will understand that you are not actually what you claim to be. So Yes, 100%. Because you can feel the love and you can feel the compassion. And you can feel everything they do. Like uh, Pretty much all singers, really. Um, you can feel everything that they do if they love that song and they're excited about it. They're going to talk about it for months before it comes out. Now, 
like Kelly Clarkson, she talks about her newest one, um, uh, Dare, Dare You, I think it's, or it's Dare. Um, she's been talking about it for a while because it's sung in six different languages. And she's saying about it because she has passion about it. And it's like, that, I want to hear the song. Just, just let it out. Let it out. You know, I want to know what this hype is about. I love all the versions and I can't even understand the other five, but they're beautiful. All different languages, beautiful. And you can hear it in the way they sing it. That's the passion I want people to get back into books. That's another reason why I wrote my books that way. It's because it's not just young adult historical fiction books. There are six historical facts in every single book, but they're not all ancient historical. Some of them are just historical facts like um, the cloud gate in Chicago, you know, the cloud bean. It's that big metal thing. Everybody stands front and looks like a, you know, bean. Um, a lot of people think it was made with just one sheet of steel, you Ooh. know, because there's no seams anywhere in it. I think it was made with the 1188 sheets of steel, uh-huh. but they polished it and polished it, did everything they could. And it was an artist that designed it and built it and put it up there. You cannot find a seam. There's literally, it has been seamless. <laughs> and it was 1180 pieces, sheets of steel that did it. I mean, those are the pieces I like to talk about in mine because they don't talk about those things in school. So mine gave a little bit more aspect and people are like, oh, and then trains, watches, the elevator, you know, with P.T. Barnum that worked the circus also had something to do with the elevator. Nobody knows that, most of them. I said, but I wrote them this way too because for adults, I'm an adult. There are a lot of adults that don't like to read because of what happened when they were younger. So they just steer clear to reading Uh what they didn't have to for work or whatever. I wrote them this way. Because if they finish, well, the fifth one I'm still typing, I'm trying to get it out quickly. But if they can get through my set of books or my series, then mm-hmm. it will prep them to go to the other books. So there's so many amazing artists out there. Um, there's John Grisham. Um, there's um, Stephanie Collins, um, J.K. Rollins. There are so many people out there, and I believe that they're missing out on some amazing storylines and some amazing stories and just a peaceful break now and again, I want them to also get back in the ha- or get into a habit or actually learning what reading was supposed to be about, not what it is about when you were younger and you got made fun of. You're at home now. You might have family. You might not sit, near, sit by yourself, read through mine as quickly as you can if you want to, but then try to venture out and find something else with the, one of the bigger authors or something like that. And enjoy what they have. I mean, there's so much out there. I'm just passionate about, I'm passionate about books because it's underrated. People aren't reading anymore. You know, they're playing their games, all this stuff. And it's like, your kids are not getting too educated, except for my nephew, because he just wants to read the credits and learn a new language. So, (laughs) but it's just, there is dropping. uh, There are games, there are videos, there is TikTok. retention time you you spend only 15 seconds or 10 seconds on a particular piece and then move forward scroll and scroll and that is just an endorphin rush there is nothing better about that so yeah there's not <laughs> so sorry are you writing about the fifth book uh, the saving history series oh yeah i'm writing the fifth book right now for the saving history series this is the final book i'm closing out the series um and in, all my books only have 16 chapters and they're about 250 pages so they're not bad. Um, and the fifth one, I just finished writing chapter 10. So now I'm typing chapter 10. Now I'm going to start 11 and finish, try to finish the book as quickly as possible. Um, so when because can I've you already finished. Book? Uh, what is this, <laughs> July? I'm hoping to have it done by the end of August. Now I've also got my first book, Timekeeper. Um, I've got it coming out on audio. It's my first audio book. So I got it coming out on audio, um, hopefully by the end of next month too. So I might have five and the, my audio of the first book coming out um, at the same time frame. Um, and then I'm also venturing off into other languages as well. Um, I'm finding, I'm looking for beta readers, you know, everywhere I go. And I hear somebody speaking Spanish. So I said, do you speak Spanish? Because I've got my Spanish version here and I need a beta reader for free. <laughs> I'm cheap. Or I've got French. I, need, I got my French version right here for free. I just want you to read it and tell me if it makes sense. That's all I care about. You don't have to correct it or edit it. Read it. If it don't make sense, throw it back at me. I don't care. But I am. I'm Because literally, I don't want to just be 
an English thing for me to get these people that need help. I want it to be a worldwide thing to help these people in every country to notice bullying and help them as well. And that you have succeeded in everything. I mean, uh, uh, I believe that uh, children today are so much uh, stuck up on their childhood that they believe that that is their personality and that they cannot change it and alter it. The fact that you did change it, you became, uh, you went from customer service and you started doing real estate business. And that is actually so inspiring. I read about it on your LinkedIn and uh, you moved it to business manager position. I'm currently at your business manager position. So I believe that that is such a good thing because uh, getting stuck up on your past is not a good way to deal with anything. You have to just move forward. And I found that you have struggled with these things and you have kept moving forward. And I believe that that is one of the best thing I've read about. So uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I have been following you on Instagram and that's how I actually met you. <laughs> so uh, that is one thing. So yeah, uh, I think that I've taken up enough of your time. So I'll just wrap it up uh, quickly. So uh, okay. I'll just ask you five questions. Rapid fire round. Okay. So, okay. so what are your hobbies? Name three of them. Uh, three of my hobbies. I have to say, Actually, like I said, first of all, writing started out as my hobby. It's my passion, but is after work thing, so that don't count. So um, I love snow skiing. I've been one time in my life, and I've fallen in love with it. Okay, so that's kind of weird, but it's true. Um, hobbies, oh, my God, name it three. Oh, also, I love messing in the, like, trees and stuff, like <laughs> trimming them to make them look better. I have no gardening experience, but I had a tree outside my office that looked horrible. I didn't have any saws or anything. So I grabbed a pair of scissors and went out there and started trimming the tree until it looked like I wanted it. And then I showed the landscapers. Um, and then just walking around um, and cleaning my car. Cleaning my car is a huge, like, a, I don't know if it's an OCD thing or considered a hobby, but it's like, it's always got to be clean. <laughs> I don't like anything in it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not an Uber driver, but I still want it clean. <laughs> So if anything happens, they say, oh my God, he died in a clean, cute car. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not more cute, but clean. Yeah. The next question. Okay, ready? So what uh, are three songs that would be on your playlist if I were to go right now? Oh, if you were to go right now, my playlist is <laughs> so super good. I've, it's called a short list with about 42 songs on it. So <laughs> you're going to hear quite a few of Kelly Clarkson, which is I Dare, I, I Dare You or sober you're gonna hear steve grand he's got discipline uh, or i mean disciple he's also got look away with eli Lev, and then i've also got um um si- uh, silence um sound the sound of the silence but it's by pen and tonics and not the originals um the garfunkel one pen and tonics and also have pen and tonics let it go and then i also have um pen and tonics uh, hallelujah i've also got uh laura dangle um you say i mean you name it, it's on there. And, uh, Randy Travis, uh, Three Wooden Crosses, they're on there and none the same type of genre. Every one of them are different. And I listen to those when I'm also writing at the same time. Okay. Uh, the next thing is that uh, which is one book that you'd recommend everyone to read at least once in their life? Once in a life, this is a book I tell everyone to read. It's called A Painted House and it's by John Grisham. Okay. Um, John Grisham mostly writes law books and stuff like that, like a, the Pelican Brief or The Last Year, or I mean, they're, they're all fantastic, right? The client, all fantastic. But then he's got an off the mark book that has nothing to do with law whatsoever. I just stumbled upon it one time. It was called A Painted House, right? It has to do with like in the backwoodsy day when the hill people would come down and help the farmer people. But the story itself captivated me so much, I could not put it down. And that was even being a slow reader. That might have been it, too. I had glue on my hands, but I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, I could not put it down. And when anybody asks me, it's a painted house. I have it on my phone, but with me everywhere I go, because I can read it 100,000 times, and it never gets old, ever. Okay, nice. That's the next book I will be buying. <laughs> yes, you've got to. because I mean, I love John Grisham. I love so many other authors, but that painted house, a painted house, there's just, I don't know what it is about it. It was just so freaking amazingly everything about it. Written, spoken to me, and it just touched. So, yes. Okay. Uh, so, uh, tell me one childhood memory that, that one, your earliest childhood memory that you have. 
the best childhood memory that you remember? Um, one of my earliest childhood memories would probably be when I was, I believe I was 10 months old. Um, and I remember we had, we had got up and it was Easter. Um, so we got up and my grandmother again put us on tacky Easter clothes because it was Easter. So we went to Dallas to my cousin's house um, and they lived in Farmer's Branch. So we all had to go up there because we were doing an Easter egg hunt. And I just started walking. I was kind of short and fat. Um, but everybody kept stealing all the eggs out of my basket because I was so short and fat. I had my basket full, looked down, it'd be empty. And everybody would be just sneaking off with all my eggs. So I was mad. So I started just swinging my basket around. But that's one of my earliest and funniest, I think, childhood <laughs> memories is because, I mean, how dare you sell eggs? I worked hard to get those. And y'all just going to walk by and take them like you're at a grocery store at a clearance sale. Okay. So yeah, that was my earliest. Coming to the last question. So which is one festival that you'd never miss? Never, ever. One festival. One what? Festival. Any festival. Uh, festival. Oh, uh, one festival. Uh, festivals are a little hard for me because of my social phobia and stuff. Yeah. Because when it comes to tens of thousands of people and stuff. Uh. Um, like even if I were at a concert, I have to set up high and sit it down with. So, um, but when it comes to festivals, they're... The most festivals I've been to have been like gay pride festivals, just because to show my support for one. But number two, I can actually stand back and still see stuff. But with the conditions that I have, I always have to have an exit. So I have to be near an exit. I have to exit behind me by my exit strategy. Those are just things that popped in my head as soon as I walked into place. So if I'm at a pride parade and then there's an after party or something, you'll always see me near an exit door. <laughs> Maybe not next to it, but just in distance to if anything happens or somebody, I always feel like somebody's trying to come at me when they're not. So. I'm here an exit door would be more common than you actually think. Yeah. I mean, I'm constantly, everybody's like, why do you want the exit? I'm like, because what if something happens? I want the exit. I mean, y'all can do whatever you want. I'm gone. I said, if I start running, that means somebody's after me. That's all I got to say. That means you better run fast. I'm going to run fast. <laughs> And uh, thanks, sir. Uh, thanks for taking time out for this podcast. Thank you for doing this. Uh, you are my first guest, actually. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for uh, doing this. Thank you for taking out today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, that was a really a wonderful uh, time I had with you. So thank you. I sir. did too. Really, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, sir. Have a good day. All right. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. To listen to such embarrassing stories and other reviews, stay tuned in. Do share with me your stories and any book you may want me to review. Thanks for listening.